Welcome to Prio's Peace in a Pod. My name is Inigo Trigauger, and I'm a communicator here at the Peace Research Institute, Oslo. My job here is to help researchers convey their work. Usually that means talking to the media, politicians, other stakeholders, and colleagues. With this podcast, that means talking to you. This week, I spoke with researcher Julia Pollock about what it's like to work on a PhD. Her dissertation is titled Interstate Rivals Intervention in Third-Party Civil Wars, The Comparative Case of Saudi Arabia and Iran in Yemen, 2004-2018, to completed at Corvinus University of Budapest. Her research focused on how intervention, both military and non-military, could affect the outcome and length of a conflict. While writing her PhD, Julia also juggled working at Prio as a research assistant on various projects, so when I spoke to her, we discussed not only her research, but also her experience as a PhD candidate over the last few years. So thank you, Julia, for speaking with me today. This is going to be the first in our series of conversations with newly minted PhD students, and you defended your dissertation. Well, tell me... Are you completely done now or have you, you're, you're officially Dr. Julia Pollock? So thank you very much for uh, leading this wonderful series in the first place uh, that I can talk about all the ups and downs uh, of going through this entire process of completing a doctoral dissertation. The short answer is that yes, it's done, which is great. Um, and uh, what was the question? Because I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to make me call you Dr. Julia Pollock from now on? Oh, yeah. Just please uh, don't ask for any type of medical assistance. That's the only thing. <laughs> um, so I wanted to start by asking you why you ended up choosing choosing your topic and if it had any kind of like personal significance for you in terms of, of your experiences traveling and uh, and things like that, but also how it evolved from the beginning to the end. Mm, I think what would make sense in the first place is to clarify that what my relation is to Prio uh, and how my doctoral dissertation related or unrelated to this place, because uh, that will, I think, introduce another interesting layer on completing a doctoral dissertation. So I I am from Hungary, Budapest, Hungary, uh, and... Um, I started my PhD in 2016 there, um, and in 2017, I applied for a visiting researcher position at the University of Oslo through Erasmus program, and because the University of Oslo and my university, Corvinus University, had an agreement, and uh, I won that application, but right before I came there, my notion was like, ah, I've heard about this Prio place quite a few times, uh, <laughs> and I kind of want to check it for myself. So it would be phenomenal to get involved a little bit in this environment. So early on uh, in August 2016, uh, I emailed my current boss, Hovar Nigod, saying that, hi, I'm Julia, I'm going to live in Oslo. Do you want to meet for a coffee? And then it was so random. I don't. I, I cannot even imagine what he thought about that email. But he said yes. And I was so surprised. Um, so I came there. I started um, this visiting researcher position at the University of Oslo. Um, and then uh, later on in September, I met Hovard. And uh, I asked him whether there are any possibilities to contribute to the work of Prio. 
uh, and to get to know the organization better. And I thought that, you know, it's um, I, I cannot really lose anything here um, because uh, I'm, I'm just trying it. And then here I am. I'm still working at Prio. Now, this is a wonderful opportunity also, although who knows who is going to listen to this to thank this to both parties because I think it's quite a unique setup that my university enabled me to do this distant PhD, basically, which acquired a lot of additional uh, work. They supported the professional development uh, that I certainly gained here much more than I have ever imagined. And Prio was also extremely accommodating uh, in terms of me working on my PhD and then being very open to my own research that although was not connected in the very beginnings um, to Prio's work, but I had the opportunity throughout the years to carve out this space here and start working on my own unrelated ro- uh, project and related to Prio's work. So this has been nothing else, just phenomenal. Uh, basically, this uh, this cooperation between or this wonderful triangle between Prio, my university, and me. But the whole time I've known you, Prio, you have been working incredibly hard, and it must be really difficult to be doing a PhD and working on other projects and sort of combining some of your research with other projects. And I know that you've written external briefs and things. So how has the work-life balance been finishing your PhD while also doing all of that other work? Because it seems like it would be extremely difficult. Oh, uh, do you want the honest answer? The work-life balance uh, was mostly tilted to the work balance. (laughs) But it was my choice, you know. Uh, No one forced me to do so. Uh, Any time I could have said that, no, I don't feel like carrying this burden or whatever. I never felt like that this is a burden. I'm very happy now that I don't have to work during the weekends. But there was this very interesting subtle feeding in process that... All the things that I have learned at Prio, both method-wise and theoretically, throughout my whole dissertation, fed into my own argument uh, and into the entire work, um, which is which gave it a very unique angle, um, in my view. So, yes, it was tiring, but you know, for me, the real heroes are the people here who are having senior researchers and having two or three small kids and balancing that you know I really didn't have to take care of anyone else other than myself Um, and that works if I uh, go out for a run in the morning so I don't I'm not trying to uh, I don't know um, underestimate uh, the amount of work but you know it could have been way worse so this uh, this is fine this is fine yeah so how did you decide to do a PhD then? Because that's not an easy decision either. And I know that you have some personal connections to the geographical areas that, that you ended up writing about. Mm. So how did that all start? So um, when I finished my master's thesis uh, in the same university uh, where I did my PhD as well. And uh, for that master's thesis, I used uh, a lot of the fieldwork that I conducted in Saudi Arabia. So uh that was part of the reason that I was just mesmerized, basically, uh, with the region and mostly uh, with Yemen. And at that time, there has already been uh, an ongoing conflict there, uh, although way less in terms of intensity and severity than as of today. So what year was this? 
so this was in 2014. Okay. Um, this was just right before uh, the the actual conflict there erupted. This was after this transitional period in the country. And I got to know many people there, many uh, Yemenis who have been nothing else but phenomenal, uh, basically. And throughout them, diaspora members, my network expanded. Uh, and um, and I, I just found it a fascinating place uh, to study because uh, there are so many horrific and very demanding things that these people have to go through. So there is this personal connection to this place. And from a more distant academic perspective, uh, I started recognizing that, okay, there are a lot of theoretical issues that can be expanded on in terms of how modern proxy wars operate, how much influence local actors have over their uh, supporters, whether they do have or do not, uh, and with what, what motivations. Uh, so I, I think I found there uh, an interesting and worthwhile exploration of a question. And then um, this obviously wasn't my first research question. So I just recently reread my uh, application for my PhD. And I was like, okay, this is something very different than uh, what I have ended up doing. And I think everyone who has uh, finished, no matter whether recently or not recently, a PhD can... Mm, can summarize it similarly that yeah that was a very different idea in the beginnings um and um you also asked that how uh did it evolve uh, yeah how did it evolve especially because like you said the conflict in yemen got drastically worse so i could see how having it be a timely topic would be very interesting and maybe helpful for your research but it also changed quite a lot so did that change your your work at all your research it was very demanding to set a time limit because always new things came up as you were saying and uh, it is still unfortunately quite a um, dynamic process and it doesn't really show signs of improvement um, but when I started in 2016 I was like okay for how long I want to stretch the period of analysis um, and when I actually sat down now it's 2020 but when I actually sat down to uh, write everything uh start writing down things um then it was the very end of 2018 uh which was in and then i said that as a as an end uh, date of my analysis my analysis spans from 2004 to 2018 and the reason for that was uh basically a, a decision that i made that in the end of 2000 18, there was the uh, Stockholm Agreement between the government uh, of Yemen and the Houthis for a very long time, the first uh, substantial agreement uh, on uh, Hodeida, on ceasefire in the Hodeida. Uh, and I just said that, okay, I have to I have to limit this analysis somewhere. But it was also very frustrating because uh, two years have passed and the actual... And the majority of the writing process took place within those two years. And there's always new information came in that I always followed. I was like, oh, this would be so interesting to include this. <laughs> but that was impossible. So you need to restrict yourself at a certain point, obviously. Yeah, but I imagine that's very, very difficult. Mm. And the way it also evolved, and I kind of want to emphasize this also in relations to Prio, that... Um, my PhD is largely ba based on uh, qualitative evidence that you acquire, that I acquired from a conflict-ridden country. This involves 
so many ethical questions and constant back and forths about uh, ethical dilemmas related to first and foremost researching this topic asking people uh, about things that are happening to them uh, and probably to be honest sometimes that was more demanding for me uh, than the actual work process because uh, it made me think about very fundamental very big fundamentals in terms of what is my position here? Who am I to do this? But what are these people's position, right? Uh, when do I do not no harm, but how can I help? Can I help? Should I help? All these questions were still lingering. And I do not think that um, there are definite answers to this um, because it's extremely context dependent. But Prio was also a very useful place in this regard for me that uh, it made me reflect on these issues extremely in a very structured manner. Uh, and I always felt that I have a welcoming environment with whom I can discuss uh, these dilemmas, which I think worth not just worth exploring, but it, it is something that um, I would be very glad to see an improved um I don't know, class on this at universities uh, when someone decides to do field work, uh, whether it's remote or not, doesn't really matter. Uh, but it involves so many ethical problems and questions. And it's not just filling out some ethical form, whether you comply with regulations, but how do you uh, inside deal with this whole process that is unfolding? So uh, for me... I think this is the biggest takeaway from my from my entire old dissertation. Uh, as you finished, I know that you've been contributing a lot of work to different organizations that have asked you to to help them look at, for example, briefs on on Yemen and things like that. What kind of opportunities have you gotten throughout your PhD that have sort of opened up? Yeah, more chances to to help people learn more about the region. Mm, so uh, this is when my own research on Yemen started feeding into uh, Prio's existing work uh, and phenomenal colleagues opened up basically the possibilities to, to include my observations. For international organizations, um, some of them were project evaluations uh, in Yemen. Others were basically background notes for uh, rather high-level seminar meetings for people who are practitioners and working on Yemen. Uh, and I, I'm always very happy uh, when I can when I can contribute to this. At the same time, uh, one of my um, Probably uh, greatest aims, and I'm very happy about this, that I got to co-author a policy brief uh, with a wonderful colleague of mine from Yemen, on Yemen and on seven misconceptions. And it's not an academic article, but it was so... It was so good to, to work with him. Uh, and I... And I would rather advocate for this a lot that, again, uh, obviously I have my um, outsider observations and experiences with the region and with this conflict, but it's, I don't think that I uh, say anything surprising when I advocate for the fact that to include people who you are talking about, right? Um, so every time when I had these tasks of contributing, I was very happy that I might be able to provide a little bit more nuanced picture of what is going on. Uh, 
Um, but next time, when such a thing is happening, I'm really hoping that either the organization who is responsible for such reports or I will be able to bring in uh, more locals. So finishing your PhD, is it strange to be seen as an expert on this topic or does it feel very natural to you? Oh. Or maybe both? Oh, don't even say this. Um, <laughs> so uh, besides the ethical, serious stuff, uh, the other biggest takeaway for me, and this is going to answer the question, was that uh, the more I learn about this place and the theoretical aspects related to the analysis I know the less so uh, this is I think I'm so freshly outside of this very uh, quite intense uh, four-year period that I'm like I don't I don't even know no I don't know Um, (laughs) and and this is this is I think um, maybe this might have some connections to gender too that how women and men are feeling differently after uh, completing such a project. Um, and I also think that I'm I'm very lucky in a sense that uh, it wasn't um, a lonely um, research in a sense that I was at Prio uh, and I always had a place where I could discuss uh, everything that has been connected to it. And every time when people, external parties, ask me uh, about the conflict... I'm always still a little surprised, um, but I'm extremely happy because yes, I I did work hard on this, um, and uh, and I want to uh, work harder on this uh, with more specific uh, focus on bringing in locals from now on. I think it's always the academic paradox that the more you know about a topic, the less you feel like you know. So that's not not surprising to me that you've ended up with that feeling at the very end. Thank but, you for comforting me. <laughs> no, I, I think I think everyone feels that way when they study something. But I think it's super impressive what you've done. Like I honestly think it's amazing that that you finished and yeah, it's really incredible. And I was wondering if you had any uh, final advice for people either contemplating a PhD in the middle of a PhD or also finishing a PhD. I think it is a very rewarding process precisely because of its length, because of its difficulties, uh, because of all the frustration and happiness that comes with it. Um, I I can also frame it in a way that that's a very internal yoga process that teaches you how to accept changes (laughs) and how to be uh, quite patient uh, with yourself and people around you. I think endurance is a key in here uh, and completing uh, things, but it also structures your life in such a way that is then difficult to get rid of, right? Uh, but it's um, it's a very privileged position to be able to research something. So uh, I reminded myself quite a lot while I was doing it uh, with all the difficulties that this is such a wonderful thing that you can be part of a scientific or you are in the midst of becoming part of a scientific community uh, where you have ongoing dialogues with people who, you know, you've read their books, they're superstars, yet you sit down with them, they take the time to read your papers and reflect on those things. Um, and this is this is a huge reward. Uh, and I think patience... 
gratitude for what has happened and a lot of laughter and the ability to put it down uh, during weekends uh, and when you feel that it's necessary are mm, the key things to to finish a PhD. Thank you for talking to me, Julia. You're almost inspiring me to do a PhD, although I don't know if that was your intention. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Thanks for picking Prio's piece in a pod. If you want to learn more about Julia's research, you can find her on the Prio website. This podcast is a production of the Peace Research Institute Oslo, Prio, located in Norway. For more information, visit prio.org. Editing, recording, and hosting by me, Indigo Trighauber. Music by Martin Rendemo. Thanks to Julia Pollock for sharing her experiences, and congratulations.